How to Make Deals in Real Estate with Keith Yaki. You're listening to Smart Businesses Do This. And today we talk to real estate legend Keith Yaki. If you've ever wanted to know the secret to wildly successful real estate deals, then you need to keep listening. Today we share insider insights into this competitive industry and discover how seven-figure real estate deals really work. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Today, I am joined by Keith Yaki, who is a good friend of mine, but also an amazing expert when it comes to leveling up your business, leveling up your life, and really just being an epic business owner or entrepreneur. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Dude, it is such an honor, and I'm stoked to be here. Thanks, Adam. Dude, yeah, so much. So why don't you start off by just letting the listeners learn a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and fill them in. Cool. Well, I'll give you the very short synopsis. I was a carpenter. I then became a pastor. I then walked away from the faith and decided I wanted to be do business and make money and not live in a small little box. And so I started investing in real estate, built a real big real estate investment firm, started teaching that. And that's kind of what I do today, teach people how to raise private money and kind of level up their life. So that's it in a nutshell. So I'm going to jump in here just for a second, Keith, because I think there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this and they're like, yeah, sure. I've heard that you can make lots of money by real estate stuff. And go to these seminars, but isn't it just a scam? Aren't I just turning up, giving somebody a load of money to learn about real estate? And then really, I've got to go out there and, and try and make it work, but it won't, but I'll have paid all my money to somebody. Yeah. Well, that's like anything in business. If you just think you're going to show up and pay somebody a boatload of money, and it's going to work. It's not going to. Obviously, a bunch of people are making a lot of money in real estate. Some people are doing it. So what are they doing? Well, I happen to be the person that's raised over $45 million for my deals. I've done over 700 flips, owned 300 doors. I've obviously have the right recipe to have success in this. And it's created a very quality lifestyle for me. So I just show people exactly what I do. And I still do it to this day. I I flip property this day. I buy apartments still to this day. So like anything, check who you're really learning from. Did they do it way back when and they don't understand it anymore? Or are they still doing it? I love this. I'm going to tell you a little bit something about my life when I was younger, Keith. So when I was 24 years old, 25 years old, I dabbled as a real estate worker. I worked in real estate for a couple of years because I was trying to do something to stop being a janitor, right? And during that time, I helped so many people build up their real estate empires. It's not even funny. Like I was finding good properties for people, selling them to developers, watching them flip them. I remember I would help people buy an apartment for 175 grand and they would sell it for like 350. And it was crazy. But the whole time I wanted to get into real estate. And even though I was making, you know, good money as a realtor, I could never seem to get that deposit together to get that first property to flip it. Like, can somebody do that? Is that possible? Do you need to have a buttload of cash in the bank to be able to do this? Here's the thing I like to tell people. It does take money to make money in real estate but it doesn't have to be yours. So my specific niche, and obviously in business, you want to have a specific niche. My specific niche is raising private money, teaching people how to do real, no money out of their pocket deals. And if the success stories of my students alone are evidence enough, then 
you know, I could rattle off name after name after name of guy that just joined my group two months ago and has already done three deals with no money out of his pocket or, I mean, I could just go on and on. So yeah, it really does happen, man. It's crazy. So I know there's going to be doubters, right? Listening to this, they're going to be like, there's no way this is real. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because, you know, I know you're the real deal. I know how good you are at this and this is that. But there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that want to start doing it. It's such funny. I've got a friend of mine who, uh, I say friend, he's one of my clients. He's a financial stockbroker. He, you know, makes a ton of money on the stock market and he dabbled into real estate and he got disheartened very quickly. He didn't study with you, which is probably his mistake. But what's something like someone that doesn't believe or, or they're scared of doing this or they're worried about it? Like what kind of like psychological hack could you give them in their mind to at least get them to be open to this concept that they could do something with no money down? And like what could be some steps they could take to move forward to be able to do this? Well, okay. So first of all, there was a statement I heard early on that was a statement that held me back. And I thought, if it's so good, why isn't somebody else doing it? We've all heard that, right? If it's such a good deal. Why isn't anybody else doing it? And I had a mentor at the time say, well, you are that somebody. And that instantly like just transported me into the, well, yeah, of course. Why couldn't I be that somebody? Like, why couldn't I? I don't I deserve it? Well, of course I deserve it. Well, did I not put in the reps to learn it and to work it? And have I been chasing and finding deals? Yeah, it's been me. So when I think of psychology hacks, I actually think, more of like perspective shifts or mind shifts, right? I'm sure that you probably feel the same way. It's like, oh, what if I saw that a different way? And then another thing that really, for me, because when I first got started, all I could look at was other people and basically say, probably like a lot of us, they go, I just say to myself, well, if that person did it, then I should be able to do it because frankly, I just look smarter than that person, (laughs) (laughs) right? I mean, have you ever felt that? Like if that guy can get that girl or that guy can have that successful business. Well, then why can't I? I think I've always kind of believed that. I love that you say that. And actually, it brings up a really good point, something that that I often talk about, which is if your first thought is, oh, I shouldn't do it because anybody else can do it. And so somebody else probably is. It's actually much more likely that everyone is thinking the same thing as you, which is that I shouldn't do it because somebody else is, which often means that no one's really doing it. Yeah. Well, and let me, let me piggyback on that because in our, in our world, there's a lot of very competitive markets. I just moved to Southern California about three and a half weeks ago, very competitive market. And people are like, man, I live in a really competitive market. What do you think I should do? And I said, well, first of all, you need to quit being scared that it's a competitive market and realize the reason it's competitive is because lots of people are making money. Mm-hmm. So learn what they're doing and go compete with them because there's lots of money to be doing. Now there's some ways to get around, like maybe branching out a little bit outside of the main competition zone where there's going to be some leftover, like wakes of that competition. But the very first mine hack you have to understand is where did all the gold miners go? The freaking gold mines. So that's where you want to go. Exactly. Dude, it's so true. And of course, you know, everyone got that phrase about during the gold mine, you don't make money from going and chasing the gold, you make money from selling the shovels, right? That's like where the actual cash was made. And I think I like that with what you're doing, because you're saying to people, they don't have to have the money to go and do this. They can provide the way or provide the effort that will enable somebody else with money to partner with them so that they can both benefit from that. Well, here's the thing. I was the recipient of raising a lot of private money. They would put the money up. I would do the deal. We would split the profits. Now I'm in the other position where I lend the money so people can go do deals for me because my money can work a lot faster and a lot harder than I ever could. So 
as a lender, and, and that's why I tell people, anybody in the real estate industry, how do you think a lender makes his money? And they obviously answer, well, lending money. Okay, yeah. well, do you think a person that has a lot of money wants to make a lot more money? The answer is, of course, yes. Well, the only way they do that is by lending. So how voracious do you feel their lending appetite is? Probably pretty great. All right, well, then guess what? Go find a great deal and put it in front of them and watch them froth over it. <laughs> That's just the mindset I have. I absolutely love it. I actually have another mindset too that I think is a really huge hack because money and sex are still kind of that almost a hush-hush tone topic in most American families. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, 100%. Okay. So this is the funniest thing, man. I tell people the reason why most of you are afraid to go raise private money is because you feel that you're going to beg them to borrow something from them. And who wouldn't be ashamed and feel awkward doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So what if you switched your mindset to what it really is and said, I'm giving this person with money an opportunity to grow their money. You would walk into that like bold as a lion. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the psychology hack here is shift your perspective and actually say what's really happening. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I get people a lot that say to me, my fear of starting a business is that I'm going to be asked to sell things to my family and I can't. And I always say, actually, if what you're selling is really good and it's a really good deal and it's really good value and people want it, you won't have to sell it to your family. Your family will ask you, if they can buy it from you. That's so true. That's actually one of the biggest things people ask me when they come into our program. Hey, is your method me going to ask my friends and family? And I say, no, that's the last step. They go, what do you mean? I go, trust me, if you do what I tell you to do right, go where I tell you to go and do the deals the way I tell you to do them, your family will be coming to you saying, what the hell happened to you? What are you up to? Then you can have a conversation with them. Yeah. It's such a big deal. And like, this is one of the reasons why I like you and you know, the other people I get on the podcast is you really are a self-starter. Like, you know, you're going out there, you're, you're crafting your life for yourself and making this happen. And I think that's the key here, your entire method. I don't want to give it all away, obviously, but it is about putting the legwork in to find the best deals so that the deals make sense and people want to partner with you. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, can I add, add one other thing that's become abundantly clear to me as of late and it has yeah. to do with mindset and, and real psychology hacking. Because a lot of people say, especially when they're starting a business, they go, man, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. And I actually call on that. And let me tell you why. I don't think they're actually afraid to fail. I think most people, certainly there could be exceptions, but I think most people are afraid of looking stupid in front of others if they fail, which is a totally different thing. Because if you're saying, I'm afraid of failing, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. What is the definition of failing? But if I said, hey, are you nervous that if this doesn't work out in the time frame that you hoped or exactly the way you hope that you might have to answer some glares or rude comments or some people talking jest about you and you would feel super embarrassed and stupid in front of them and they go, oh my God, that's actually what I'm fearing. I go, okay, let's get to the root of that issue then, not the fear of actually failing. You're afraid of looking stupid in front of people and that is probably a systemic problem cause of all your problems in your life, actually. Yeah, I love that. I've got a way that I deal with this. This came up in, in my own life, but I, I want to share it with you, Keith. It's part of our, we have a, a program called Launchpad, which is where we train up CEOs to be more successful and, you know, to branch out and test new ideas in a way they don't have a fear of failure. And uh, I call it my 48-hour, three-month, one-year method. And the idea is 
When you start a new project, half the problem is you don't know if it's going to succeed or fail. And you have a fear that if it fails, the people around you are going to be like, oh, you've started five projects in the last few years and all of them have failed. What makes you think this one's going to work, right? And that holds people back. They have a fear of trying something new. And so under this method, what happens is you don't announce that you're going to start a project to people. Instead, you just dabble in the project for 48 hours to see if this is even something you want. The rule is you can't spend more than $1,000 to dabble. So you can take a grand and you can buy a training course or you can buy a program, but don't buy the most expensive thing. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you decide you want to start a lawnmower service. I don't know why I've got that in my head. Don't go out and buy the $3,000 lawnmower. Buy the $500 one. Just get the cheap thing that will kind of work, but won't be perfect that you can return later. And this $1,000 is you're designed to burn it. And maybe you don't make a lot of money and you can only afford to do this once a year. Or maybe you make enough money that you can do this once a quarter. But you take $1,000, you know, which would only be 330 bucks a month or something, and you put it to one side. And then at the end of the month, you say, okay, I'm going to burn $1,000 and a weekend, and I'm going to test this project and see what I think about it. So I don't know what your, your prices are, but I'm guessing you've got a book or something that somebody could give you $1,000 and sit in on a seminar or something they could learn from you for $1,000, give or take. Well, they could actually learn way more than that off of my free YouTube videos. I share a lot of what I do because I know that even in sharing what I do, most people want coaching or they want a community around them, supporting them doing it. So I actually share a lot of my tactics and techniques. So they'd be able to get a lot from that. So, but I understand what you're saying. And I actually love that concept, man. Yeah, it's great. So I I love this, right? So let's just say someone said, okay, I'm going to donate 48 hours of my time to watching every single one of Keith Yaki's videos on YouTube, right? So what's your YouTube channel? Keith Yaki. So perfect. So go to youtube.com forward slash Keith Yaki, right? K-E-I-T-H-Y-A-C-K-E-Y. Keith Yaki. So they go there. And then they say, I'm going to spend 48 hours watching it. And at the end of it, maybe they've got $1,000 in budget they could spend on some things that you recommend if you recommend software or anything like that. And that's fine. Then at the end of 48 hours, they've spent one weekend doing it and they've told their missus or they've told their, their husband, whatever it is, I'm going to test this for 48 hours, see if I like it. At the end of 48 hours, if they're like, that sucked, that was boring, I don't like it, they're out. If not, they then move into the three-month aspect, which is now for the next three months, I will donate X amount of hours per week to this new thing. And maybe that's just every weekend for three months. Maybe it's one evening a week for three months. Maybe it's every evening and every weekend for three months. It's up to them. But they are giving themselves three months to prove that this works. So maybe that is they're going to find a good deal within three months or if they're following your method. Or maybe it's they're going to give themselves three months to launch their lawnmower business or whatever it is they're going to do. But they've got three months to do this. And then at the end of three months, they evaluate it and they ask themselves two questions. One, did I make money from it? Even if I didn't make back the money I put into it, did I at least make a dollar to prove that there's money in this? And two, do I still enjoy it? If the answer is no to either one of those questions, then they're out. And there's no stress or harm because they basically say to their partner, look, I'm only going to test it for three months and see if I even like it. And you can actually bring that up with your partner in in a discussion or your family or whoever it is and say, you know what, I'm going to give this a go for three months. I've got a deadline here. On that date, I'd like to sit down and have a dinner with you and we'll discuss if I enjoy it and if I made money and where I am and and what I want to do. And then at the end of the three months, if it was a yes to both questions, you know, they could make at least a dollar from it. So they prove there was money in it and they could and they enjoyed it. Then they make a commitment. Okay, I'll do it for a full year. And at the end of the year, I'll reevaluate again. And so, yeah, that's my basic psych hack for testing out new models. I like it, man. You know, it's something very similar that I tell people when they join our program. I say, most people want to put minimum effort in and get maximum results out. And I said, I'm not talking about 
hacks. I'm not talking about efficiency. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about if you're going to half-ass something, just expect to get a half-ass result. I'm talking about your effort and your mindset of what you're going to put into something. And so I tell people, I said, if you want to get the max out of this program in the next 90 days, give me your max effort. Like really watch the modules, really do the things I tell you to do. And I think a lot of people, once you say, okay, I'm going to do this for 90 days, I think a lot of people, they don't give it everything. I like that you said, hey, I'm going to give this everything I got, or I'm going to at least delineate with my family. Hey, every Thursday night or every Saturday morning, I'm going to be doing this. I don't think most people do that, man. So I, I love that you encourage people to do that. It's the same thing I encourage people to do with my program. Yeah, I think it's a no brainer. And I think, you know, if someone's listening to this and they've thought, wow, I like the idea of making some money in real estate, rather than thinking, hey, I'm going to become a millionaire. How about you think I'm going to donate every weekend for three months to trying this and actually doing it and giving it your all every weekend and just see at the end of three months, like, do you enjoy it? Was it good? Did it work? If you're actually putting the time and energy in, I can't imagine anyone would follow your model and wouldn't see some kind of results, you know, especially if the low hanging fruit is just spend one weekend watching every video and taking concrete notes and maybe testing some of the stuff. It's such an easy in. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in real estate was from the very first person that advised me. He was a, a real estate developer when I was, you know, working as a realtor. And he said to me, listen, he said, Adam, God stopped making land. And when he stopped making land, it means it's always valuable. Yeah, so true, man. This is so interesting, but that's a psychology hack that you just shared when you said, rather than I'm going to make a million dollars, I'm going to donate every weekend. Because when you're making a donation, your expectation is way lower than I'm trying to change my family's financial legacy forever. And I think that it lowers the quote unquote perceived risk that they're taking. They're like, no, I'm going to donate every weekend to figuring this out. How many people donate themselves to church? or to religious activities and to other stuff that years down the road, they go, ah, that was kind of rubbish. I'm not sure why I did that. Except that in the doing of it, it actually created a better person. They grew themselves by doing that donation. Right. You look at this, right? You and I are both millionaires. Like, you know, we're successful. And, you know, I always say to people, I don't wake up every day thinking, how can I make a million dollars? Or how can I be a millionaire? That's not where my head's at. My head is always at, what are the tasks I have to do today to continue to grow and improve? And that's how it started. The very first time I started making money, it wasn't because I was like, you know, I want to make a million dollars. It was, what do I need to do to grow and improve? How can I continue to add value and be a better person? And the more I focused on that, the money was a side effect. Of course, I studied it. Of course, I learned sales processes. Of course, I learned these other things. But I was never learning sales processes to get rich or to become a millionaire. I was learning sales processes because if you want to be good at sales, you have to learn sales processes. If you want to have a business, you have to get good at sales. Dude, I have an interesting question for you. And because I know that our business model is pretty similar on the coaching end, or at least it, it, I think it used to be app to schedule, you know, schedule a point, fill out an application, then have somebody live jump on and do like a strategy session and then sell them into a program. I don't know if you still do that anymore, if that's something that you used to do or... No, we still do it largely. But not the only one, because I've got, since we spoke, I've got three different businesses now. And I've got one that doesn't use that model, which is fascinating. But in that model, when you're first learning sales, you're like, Jesus, this is a grind. Like, this is tough. And then it's kind of like surfing, man. At first, it's hard. When you suck, it's not that fun. But when you get good, it becomes really fun. And that's the same way with sales. At first, you're like, oh, man, they said something I didn't know how to respond to. And oh, man. And then you get really good at sales, which ultimately is just, hey, how can I really serve this person, get past their fear and into transformation? And it's less about the, can I make a bunch of money on this? And that is, 
wow, can I help them move down their path of life with more ease and more grace? And you, what happens along the way is you just become a different human being and it becomes a lot more fun. See, I love that you said that because it's so true. When I sell, I don't ever feel like I'm selling because I think like this, if I'm on the phone with someone, because don't, we don't cold call, right? We're only talking to people that phone us and say, hey, I'm interested. When somebody phones me, I know one thing about them and that is they are already interested in learning from me. That's why they phoned. Otherwise, they wouldn't pick up the phone. Or at least they have a problem that they believe I can solve. And so the entire focus of my phone call is not selling them. It's working out what the problem is, working out what the solution is. And then once I've worked out the solution and I know like the right route for them, it's asking them, hey, do you believe I've got this right? Like, I feel that this is the solution for you. Do you agree? And then it's a discussion about whether they agree that I've solved the problem or not. And then we keep discussing and they keep working with me until we get to a mutual agreement that this is the right solution. And then again, even with the fee, it will be the same thing. We will discuss the fee. And of course, they want it for free. But at the same time, they've got to understand that they're buying my services, my coaching, my experience, my time away from my children. And so in the same way that they want it for free, I want it for an insane amount of money because you're taking me away from my kids. And so we will have this very genuine discussion about what my time is worth. And that's factored into how many other people want that time combined with what is the result worth to them. Because if someone pays you $100,000, which sounds astronomical, but they make a million dollars at the end of the year, there is no investment better in the world that you can make. I mean, it was Warren Buffett himself that said the best investment you can ever make is in your own education because it will come back at you time and time again over the rest of your life pays dividends forever, right? So that's the key. And so it really is, you know, we spoke about earlier about don't sell to your parents, but really your friends and family, don't sell to anyone. Instead of sales, focus on helping people and know what you're worth and know what the result is worth. It's so true. There's two questions I actually want to ask you, man. When it comes to psychology hacking, I know there was a point in time, my business was so constant and so dependable And it was making me a good chunk of dough, more than most people make in a month, in a day. And I remember kind of freaking out thinking, what if this stops? I can't believe I'm making this much money. Oh my God, am I worthy of this? I literally ran into a wall and had to address and become aware and actually work through the fact that Keith, it's okay, man, you're worth this money. Did you ever go through that? Or have you ever talked with somebody and had to walk them through what I'm describing right now? Yeah. So it's funny. Not only did I go through it, I went through it back when I was a pro dating coach. I found it very difficult to charge because I felt that because I knew this knowledge myself, that I should just give it for free. And I had to learn. I hired a a coach to help me learn to charge for it. And it was really simple. Someone said to me, do you believe you're the best? And I was like, I believe I'm better than most people out there. And then he's like, if you charge less than somebody who's worse than you, are you doing your customers a service or a disservice? And I was like, well, I think I'm doing them a service. And he's like, really? He's like, because when someone's got to choose who to go through, you know, are they going to go to the cheap place or the expensive place if they want best? And I was like, oh, well, they're going to go to the expensive place because people equate expense with value. He's like, right, you're advertising yourself as one of the worst, even though you believe you're one of the best. Your pricing has to go up. So that was like a big mental shift for me when I realized I always had to price myself above everyone else. If everyone else started increasing their prices, I had to like double, right? So that was the first thing. And then the second aspect to that was when I was helping people with this and breaking through that, because obviously we've got the dating aspect, we also have the the business 
aspect where we help people with sales and, and business and everything. And when it comes to helping others through it, I'm like, do you want to be motivated to help your clients or not motivated to help them? And would you be motivated if you got paid more or would you get motivated if you were paid less? And they're like, well, I'd be motivated if I got paid more. Right. And if you were motivated, how much would you help them? And I'm like, well, I'd, I'd go above and beyond the call of duty to make sure that, you know, they were happy. So again, you once again, you deserve to be paid a significant amount of money. In your case, where you're talking about having consistent clients, it's more than that. Those consistent clients is consistent experience. Every time you help someone, you're improving and getting better. So the more you do it, the better you get, the better quality the next client gets. So as you continue to improve, you are worth more, you are better, and you are offering a better service. And if you're not increasing your prices, then you absolutely deserve to keep getting what you're getting. And you should probably be improving your prices because your skill set improves. Yeah, I love all that, man. Those are such good nuggets too. And back to one of the things you said about Warren Buffett saying you're the best investment. One of the things I say to people when I'm doing strategy calls with them is everybody's heard you should invest in yourself. And, and you know something I say, and this might really resonate with the listeners here and kind of get emblazoned into their brain is I always say this, I say, you will make more money for yourself than any apartment building you buy ever will. And I believe that because they're the ones deciding which more apartment buildings to buy, which houses to flip, which investor to go talk to. Like we forget that we are the thing that makes all this happen. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you want to understand sales, which I just think is empathy and problem solving at, at its nth degree. Why wouldn't you want to know that? It's going to help you not just get paid, but get laid and have better friendships and everything, right? Dude, you know what blows me away? I was talking to somebody the other day about this. They were deliberating on whether they should sign up for our $7,000 training or they should leave the money in the bank. It was a legitimate question. He was like, if I leave the money in the bank, I know that at the end of the year, that interest will give me more money. And so I was like, okay, I understand that angle. I was like, I, I get where you're coming from. I was like, but how much interest will you get? It's like less than $50. I was like, now ask yourself, if you spent that $7,000, not necessarily on me, but on learning something, let's just say you wanted to become a yoga instructor and you spent $7,000 learning to become a yoga instructor. I was like, how much will that make you? And he's like, well, yoga instructors don't make a lot of money. I was like, right, but if you've got a class of 10 people paying $10 each, that's a hundred bucks a week for one hour of work. So at the end of a month, that's $400. If you multiply that out through the end of the year, you're making about $5,000 on your $7,000 investment. Now, granted, at the end of the year in the bank, you'd have $7,050 versus the $5,000 you have now, but it all changes in year two. Because in year two, assuming you don't grow and expand and you only have 10 customers with no improvement, it's now $10,000 versus $7,100. In year three, it becomes a joke. In year five, it was the worst investment you ever made putting that money in the bank. Now, you're right. You still have to action and you have to risk, but the growth is exponential. Yeah, that's good, man. That's a great walkthrough. I like that. Thanks, man. Yeah, and it's so important. You know, obviously the guy signed up and he was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm going to do this. But like, I, you know, I tell people like, I get it. I do understand the value of having some money in the bank. And I, somebody gave me a great piece of advice once, which is, when it comes to savings, you want enough money in the bank to keep you floating for three months in case you lose your job. That's like the minimum that you want. On top of that, 
you want to have a 401k or what have you, or, or, and then some other investments and stocks that you're putting into on a regular basis. But on top of that, once you have that going, then the rest of your money, why not put it into your own education and growth? Look at people like Elon Musk and how much money he's spending into research. That's not even education. That's research. That's attempting to learn at the forefront, pioneering new things. The greatest people are educating themselves without teachers all day, every day. And we are blessed that we can just hand them some money and be educated by teachers. Yeah. Well, think about Amazon and and Bezos spending all that money on the infrastructure so that people could order off of Amazon and have it the next day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Nobody had ever done that. I don't know about you, dude. I order almost everything on Amazon. And even within a day or two, I forget that I ordered it and it shows up like, oh yeah, I I ordered that. I'm so glad I have that right now. But he invested vast, vast, vast amounts, which I think is another psychology hack that I think people need to be reminded of. And it's not even going to sound like a hack when I say it, but I don't think very many people understand the time lag between cause and effect. Oftentimes, the effect of something doesn't typically happen until about maybe 60, 90 days down the road. Now, I'm not talking about something instantaneous like, hey, love, do you want to have sex? And she says, no, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about like when you invest in yourself and you start to learn or you invest in something or you do an action consistently for 30 days, the actual effect shows up 60, 90 days down the road. But most people quit and forget about it. And so they never know what actually caused the effect. And there's a whole cause and effect loop because our memories aren't really that great when it really boils down to it. I mean, what did you eat last Tuesday morning for breakfast? Unless you have a scheduled plan, you probably don't remember. Yeah, exactly. I do. I eat the same thing every day. But this is funny you say that, right? Most people's memory isn't there. And that's why I do things exactly like I just said. I eat the same breakfast or I do the same thing over and over again because I want my decision-making power to be left open for trying new things. I don't trust my memory. I know that I'll forget things. So including eating breakfast if it isn't organized. So I put things in practice. So look, we're, we're coming up towards the end. But what I do want to do is I want to leave people with a challenge at the end of this. And ideally, one last psychology hack from you. So if, if you wouldn't mind giving us just one other thing, and we've done a ton in this one. But if there was one psychological hack that you use yourself that, you know, really you think helps make you successful or, or is like a little tweak you can use to grow your business or something, what would it be? I would say go do something that you're a little bit nervous of, not like deathly, deathly, deathly afraid of, but a little bit nervous of. For me, it was stand-up comedy this last couple of years. And I'm going to say it this way, and I don't know if it's going to come out like a hack or not, but maybe you can help me interpret it this way. It's really simple. There comes that moment, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Adam, when you're about ready to go on stage in front of a bunch of people, you feel more alive in that moment. You know what? The wings might fall off this thing. We could come crashing down. Or this thing could soar epically beautiful and I could experience elation beyond anything. I think that we don't do that much anymore in our culture, in our society. And if there's something that people could do to feel that thrill and rush, it would make them more alive. But ultimately, the hack, I would say, is you'd realize it's not that big of a deal. You're making most things way bigger of a deal in your mind than they really are in real life. and the only way you can come to that realization is by actually going through and doing some of these things. I mean, you go up and speak right now, you don't get deathly nervous, probably like you may have first have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And that's it. You know, it's you learn how to not do that. Yeah. It takes the uncommon and makes it a little more common, which makes you a little more extraordinary. Yeah, I love that. You know, I always say the only way to build confidence is through experience because that's the true confidence. All right. So here's the challenge I'm going to give all the listeners today. And I think this is really important. 
if you tuned in and you listened to this particular episode, then, you know, you must have had some kind of interest in wanting to learn what Keith had to say. And you've, maybe you've dabbled with the idea of wanting to get into real estate investment. I challenge you, go to Keith's YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Keith Yaki, and watch the free videos. You know, take maybe not two days, take one day. And if you liked it at the end of the day, do the second day. But make that micro commitment to at least learn what's going on. If nothing else, you are now more knowledgeable about real estate, right? You, you now know what people talking about when they talk about having these conventions and these seminars and everything. And who knows, maybe it will inspire you to take the leap and spend the next three months dabbling it, see if you can find a great deal. Because if you can find a great deal, then you've probably got somebody that wants to give you some money to go in on it with you. And who knows, that might be the best three months you've ever spent. Yeah, I love it. Keith, thank you so much for taking the time to come and join us on the podcast, man. Dude, such an honor. I just adore you, man. You are one <laughs> of the most likable guys in the world. So it's uh, anytime to, to hang out, I'm always in. I appreciate it, man. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.